Hi, my name's Steve and I love people who make things. On the factory next door, we don't just meet the makers, we go through their factory gates. Hello Lynn, how are you? So we're passing now rows and rows of partially built frames. Each episode focuses on one beautifully made piece and the person behind it. It's not about the money, it's about achieving what you want to achieve. We never argue. Sure we have a bit of a... Yeah, we have tense moments. <laughs> Join me. Let's go travelling. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. Welcome to the factory next door and welcome to the Teddington Arms Pub in South West London. Plenty of Christmas decorations up this evening. And during this festive season, it seems appropriate we celebrate a British classic, the pint. Or specifically, the Cascale, which is the hand-pulled beer you get in pubs. Whilst I get myself a pint and a pickled egg, have a listen to what's coming up in this week's show. Cask beer is the best way to serve beer because it's fresh, it's a living product. Why are you stepping into a market that is shrinking? They must be mad at the moment to, to go into brewing. It, it's such a hard industry with very little returns at the moment. It smells like a fruit salad. It's, it's just crazy. like, wow. This And all these flavours come from hops. There is no fruit in this. As someone who was just home brewing for years, when you walk into a pub and you see people stood around drinking pints of your beer, that is a weird feeling. And it's... Do you ever go, oh, I brewed that? No. <laughs> I'm far too shy to smell. So sales of cascales like the one I'm drinking now are falling. They have been for years. European and American-inspired lagers are becoming more popular. You've still got lots of great cask brewers out there, many with long traditions and stories behind them. But I wanted to meet someone starting out on their cask ale journey. I mean, who launches a brewery focusing on a beer that is becoming less and less popular every year? Let's go to West Sussex and ask someone. I'm Liam Brooker, I'm the owner and head brewer of Aleworks Brewing Company. We're on the Nepcastle Estate, which is just east, I believe, of Horsham. Um, as you can see, we are very much on a working farm. You've got stables, you've got the cow sheds there with the longhorn cows, uh, and the brewery sits in the middle. So before we go in the brewery, can I just have a quick look at the longhorned cattle? They look, look amazing. Those. Hello, my friend. As you walk around the estate, you often notice the longhorns. It's also got um, wild boars that walk around the estate, and they've got some beautiful stags as well. They're generally just walking freely around the estate. So you can be walking along, and suddenly around a corner, one is just here with his huge antlers. Are they ever attracted by the smell of the beer? They have actually been trying uh, recently trying out the, um, the grain for them to eat, all of our spent grain, which is great. At the end of a brew, you've just got kilos upon kilos of this wet, grain that generally goes in the bin so if you've got cows or horses we the horses also have some of the grain as well so if you've got animals that can eat it it's great because it gives you a second use for the grain rather than just throwing it away okay well on that let's have a look at the process itself and and step in so the the barn itself do you know what kind of era this is from when we took it over it was very much still a milk impala. So we've had to completely gut the place. Excuse the loud. Oh, and I'm greeted by a lovely motorbike. 
Is that your Harley? That is indeed. Well, it was one of those. I had the space here and I thought, you know what, let's, let's let her live inside. <laughs> okay, so we've come into the old milking parlour and I'm immediately greeted by lots of empty beer bottles and some cylinders. Give me an idea of what I'm looking at here. So over here, we've got the brew system itself. We, this is what we'd call the hot side. So it's made up of three pieces. You've got your hot liquor tank, you've got the mash tun, and you've got the kettle. The mash tun is where the conversion happens from the grains to get your hot work, which is essentially the precursor to beer, which you're then pumping into the kettle, which you would then boil. And that is where you add things like the hops. And so if you put hops right at the beginning of the boil, you'll get a lot of bitterness. That's where you get that bitter flavor from the beer. Around the middle area is where you'll get the flavor from the hops. And towards the end is the aroma. So if you want a very bitter beer, you'd focus all at the beginning of the boil. Whereas if you wanted a very hoppy, floral, fruity beer, you'd go right at the end. Once we've boiled the beer, we'll put it through a chiller, which will then come into the fermenter, usually at about 19, 20 degrees. That's where we add the yeast, and that's what converts the wort into beer. So until it hits here, it's wort, but once it's in here, you've got beer. So how, how long does it take from start to finish? So when the beer comes out of here into cask, it's drinkable, but it's not finished. It's kind of... It's, it's become beer, but it needs to then condition. So that's when you'll put it into the casks and let it basically sit and all the flavors meld together. It gets fizzy and you get that nice, lively beer. Whereas if you do take this out here now, it would just be completely flat. So two weeks and you've got technically beer, four weeks and you've got delicious beer. So that's when the pubs will take it. Great. Okay, so Liam's made us a cup of tea. Thank you very much. Um, just give me an idea about launching this place. Well, I was a home brewer for many years and I always loved brewing. And it was really when we went into COVID that all the pubs shut, I was furloughed from my job and I was just sat at home with nothing, <laughs> literally nothing to do. And I really just became obsessed with with the, the brewing process and everything. And I started really home brewing a lot at home. And I'm, I think we got to the point where I'd brewed 50, 60 batches of beer. And I sort of said to Harriet, I was like, I'd really like to do this with my life. I was like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Sounds really cheesy, I don't know. I was in a job which was couldn't have been any different at all. And- What was that job? I was working in an engineering company and I was like a forklift driver. And okay. It was yeah. just, it was the same thing every single day and it was, I was just boring and samey and brewing just I don't know I it was I've, I'm not very good at taking stuff in that much and brewing I just seem to absorb it and so we started decided to go around to the local farms so we made up a little letter and it was hi we are Liam and Harriet we're looking to start a little craft brewery do you have any spaces we're happy to take an old unit and fix it up make it into a brewery and we had sort of like a tour of a few farms and we found this place and I think it was a milking parlor up until the early 2000s and since then it's pretty much just sat with nothing in it and um so we had to yeah completely we, me, we were wearing full 
boiler suits with Jay's fluid scrubbing every inch of the walls, the floor, everything to get it to the point where it was actually usable as a space. Can I just pick up on um, the moment where you say to Harriet, actually, do you know what? I think my calling is in beer. Well, I was very fortunate in that Harriet loves beer. Like, she was raised on Carscale, you know, that's, that's her thing as well. So she, I think she was there as, obviously, while, while I was learning to brew, so she could see the quality of the beer was going up. And I think she was also getting utterly sick of the kitchen, just being a brewery. So, because there was points where there'd be like four or five fermenters around the house, just all bubbling away while she's trying to do her thing. And you've just got fermenters, the smell of yeast just in the air. And it was just like, I think she was quite happy when I said, yeah, I'm going to move it outside the house to an actual place so she was quite happy with that i think but i mean obviously it was a big it's a big thing to do like we you know it's a big risk and it was you know we had to obviously buy the brew system and all of this so it was financial risk and you know but it was one of those she was she couldn't have been cooler about it to be honest um do you um do you listen to the show yes i do yeah <laughs> that could have gone terribly bad um have you heard the Pashley episode, The Princess's Bicycle? Yeah, I listened to that the other day. Um, because Adrian, who runs Pashley, talked... Actually, I found it very moving, where he was talking about his late wife supporting him and how, it, how important that was to the success of his business. No, very much. I can see that, for sure. Like, there's times when you get home and you're stressed and tired and you know having that other person there who's there supporting you to see you through it i wouldn't be able to do it about harriet at all so i'm very thankful to her we, we got a small loan to get the the brew system um and then we pretty much just paid everything ourselves so as we got paid from work the money would just go straight into the brewery and it was you know we've we've for years just i think since 2021 we've just put everything we have into the brewery so you know we don't really go out and party as much as we used to instead of that we'll buy some casks or a nice sink for the brewery tell me about the kegs so these are casks so basically this is sorry i got the wrong term didn't i yeah so <laughs> kegs kegs are the modern way of of doing beer so basically these are the traditional English casks. So you've got your shive and your keystone holes. Basically, these are, it's the similar situation as to bottle conditioning beer. So you put your beer into the keg, the cask, sorry. Um, I, that was my fault, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm confusing. So you'll put the beer into the cask with a little bit of sugar and your fining agents. Fining agents basically will clear the beer. If you were to take cask beer and a keg beer the carbonation levels are very different as well so with this you're going for quite low volumes of co2 in the beer whereas with a keg beer you'd go for quite a lot higher so that's what makes cask beer very different to kegged beer i want to ask you about your love of cask because if you look at sales of cask they're actually going down. In 2021, cask beer accounted for 4.3% of total beer sales, which seems very low mm. to me. And what's particularly upsetting is that it's halved in the past eight years. And why I was keen to chat to you was because you are just starting out 
you're not historically there's not a there's not a legacy there in terms of you're a brewer who has traditionally done cask and you've branched out into other things within the past year two years you're like my heart is in cask this is what harriet and i are gonna step into why are you stepping into a market that is shrinking personally our ethos is what we we want to bring cask ale but with the flavors of modern craft beer cask beer is the best way to serve beer because it's fresh it's a living product and for us it's you know it's it's an english tradition it's it was really sad to see it declining so much i know someone else who agrees with you um earlier this year i headed off to um a big old celebration of british beer to um, have a chat with someone let's just take a moment and have a listen to this just a word of warning the doors i'm about to go through it's very noisy on the other side and it's a heavy door welcome to the olympia conference center in west london built in 1886 it was actually originally constructed to host agricultural shows but i am not here for the marrows or the heifers i'm here because right now it's a great british beer festival okay so we've just stepped out from the uh, beautiful looking domed glass hall uh, just into a slightly quieter spot to sit down and have a little chat with Nick Antoner, who's the chairman of Camera, which is the campaign for real ale, who organised the festival. Give me an idea of the range in terms of numbers you've got here. Well, we've got over 900 different beers, ciders and perries, um, and continental and bottle beers from probably some region of three, four hundred different breweries. Something that's unique about this festival is that for many years uh, we've had our, our American cast bar. Always proves very popular. American beer at a Great British Beer Festival, is that slightly controversial? Not really, because the, the, the beer, that the American cast we've got is, is all um, beers that are, are in that unique British style, cast beer. Apart from the beers that these Americans are brewing and for to come over here, there, there is no other cask available around the world. Okay, you mentioned there a phrase that I really want to expand on, which was lovely, which is the beer that is uniquely British, the uniquely British way of making beer. Tell me about that. Well, uh, the, the, that beer style um, is, is a beer called cask, or real ale is sometimes known as uh, an unpressurized cask that relies on the natural carbonation of the beer to, to keep it fresh. It, everywhere else in the world they tend to cover their beer in, in carbon dioxide. There's nothing wrong with that if it's good beer um, and it's in a sealed container whereas a cask is open to, to the atmosphere if you like because once you broach it you've got to let it breathe so that the beer can blow through the system. Cask beer continues to, to kind of mature and develop the flavour right up until the time it's in your glass on the bar. T tell me about the industry. Tell me about where we're at at the moment in terms of the numbers of people making cascales. We have seen an expansion. Um, unfortunately, although we've got 1,700 breweries, those breweries are not, uh, the majority of those breweries are not getting access to the market. The brewing or the beer market in this country is dominated by the big brewers, uh, global brewers these days. 
uh, and, and a big percentage of that, the, the beer you see across the bar is from those big five or six brewing companies. Why, why do you think we've had this well, explosion in the number of brewers? It probably goes back to um, small brewers relief. Um, about 10, 15 years ago, um, Sieber and Cameron managed to persuade the, the government of the day to introduce something called small brewers relief. Um, and they, they qualify by brewing below a certain volume of beer. So if they stay below that one, they, they pay 50% less duties. It was really there to, to kind of level the playing field for some of the smaller crews to innovate in this country. We, we've always been a, an innovative country in the sense when it comes to wanting uh, to see a range of things. And, and if you compare us, for example, to Germany, they've got very strict rules on what can be in a beer, where in this country, we, we like to innovate. We like to try different things in beers. I, I'm sure, Nick, you're meeting, you know, kind of, you're meeting the brewers all the time. Tell, yeah. tell me, is there a, are there, are there specific characteristics that that these people share? Um, they must be mad at the moment to to go into brewing. It, it's such a hard industry with very little returns at the moment. Um, they're paying high VAT. Lots of um, other overhead energy costs have gone through the through the roof. They must be mad, but but they're all they're they're quirky characters, and I love them all. The ones I've met, I've no, never met a brewer that I've never got on with or enjoyed their company, and and I think they're they're great people, and who've in a lot of cases it's their second career. They've moved out of other careers um, when things changed in their life, and they wanted a different different role, but it's a hard job. Nick, thanks so much for taking time to chat to me. Okay, thank you very much. The festival is in full swing now. You can probably hear they've got a band up on a stage there belting out tunes. It's probably time for me to head off now. Are you mad? A little bit. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, it's it's a passion thing, really, isn't it? I mean, it's something might not be easy, but it's fun. <laughs> How do you cope with those days when you doubt yourself? Because there must presumably be some days oh, when yeah. you doubt yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's one of those, you know, where we are as well. We're in Sussex, which is ridiculously expensive area anyway but you know the pubs we have are little drive-to pubs and there's a lot of competition to get into those particular pubs and for us i mean we our sort of plan was always to start with a very small radius around the brewery and just slowly grow it out you know i mean there's just every pub you've got five breweries knocking on the door because they want the same <laughs> the same thing so. so so talk talk me through that process i mean do you do you literally go up to the pub yeah say it's horrible <laughs> it's really horrible i love making beer that's where i my talents are selling beer is certainly not something that i i've had to go to many pubs i've had doors shut in my face you know and the, the big thing as well is you go to certain pubs and they seem very free as like because obviously you have tied pubs and freehold pubs Around here, we are very fortunate that a lot of the pubs are freehold pubs. But some of the tied pubs, you don't actually realise are tied. 
So you walk in, bah, 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 hello, I'm Liam, I own Aleworks, I'd love to sell some beer to you. Um, and it turns out they're tied to one of the big breweries. Presumably you go in, you say, hi, I'm Liam, I produce some amazing beers, <laughs> would you like to try them? Yeah. Can I try some? Of course, yeah, absolutely. Liam's grabbed an unmarked brown bottle. So obviously I can't <laughs> do straight cask beer simply because it would really open in a nine gallon cask. However, what we, we could get through nine gallons. <laughs> <laughs> we got hours, we're okay. <laughs> no, these basically, what we had to do when we first started um, making the beer, every time I did a brew, while I was casking, I would take a few bottles off well, a, a few litres into a bottling bucket so I could actually take these, the same beer which is in the casks but put it in a bottle, give gotcha. it the same principles. But you'll get the flavours of what's in the barrels. So this beer here is our Stay Gold. This is, it's named mostly through the colours that you see in it. And you immediately, before you even get it near, you smell the fruits. Oh, wow. So you'll get loads of tropical fruit. And, you know, this is very much the American style of beer, in my views. Like, English hops that we would use are more floral. Hedgerow is what they're described as. Whereas these are, well, these are actually uh, New World hops. So they're New Zealand, Australian hops. I mean, you, you can really, I can really smell, and my sense of smell, I'm afraid, is not very good, but even I can really smell lots of fruit. Yeah. It, it feels, it smells like a fruit salad. It's, it's just crazy, like, wow. This, and all these flavors come from hops. There is no fruit in this. This, it's, it, it, the hop is such an incredible plant. Like, you, you can get endless flavors from different hops. You know, I, mostly fruit flavors, to be honest, but, you know, there's also hops that give you green pepper flavor you'll get hops that give you grass and hay you know and each different country's got their own sort of style of hops like english hops as i say they're very floral you know like our traditional fuggles which we use a lot of in our southern ranger that's very floral it's not there's no fruitiness really it's more hedgerow blackberry maybe but um yeah this this one here you've got a lot of pineapple and mango that sort of fruits in it mm. And I mean, when you taste it, it's, it's delicious. That's <laughs> okay. a taste. But you'll also see like the carbonation in this, you know, this is all naturally carbonated. That is all through bottle conditioning. It's interesting because I normally associate cascales with, with something darker. Yeah. So you'd have, obviously this is, this is exactly what I, what I was saying. Like we want to push IPAs, pale ales, stuff like that on cask. Because don't get me wrong, I love British Best Bitter, but it's not, it's one of those drinks that's quite niche. Not that many people walk into a pub and go, oh, a pint of bitter, please. Mm. Especially in the younger generations. They all like fizzy, effervescent IPAs and pale ales. So being able to attract that crowd to cask, that's what you want. If you can, if you can replicate the flavors of these kegged, trendy beers on cask, might be able to save it and that's what you're aiming to do save well yeah i mean cask that's you know the, the percentage of 
cars sold, as you say, is declining year on year. And it's really sad. What does success look like for you going forward for Aleworks Brewing Company? Well, I mean, I don't, I can't honestly see we're going to be millionaires doing this by any measure, but I, to make a, enough to survive and do something I love, because I think doing a job like this, it's not really about the money in doing this because I love brewing. You know, if, if I can make a comfortable living and do something that I'm really happy with, I'd much prefer that than be making loads of money, but doing something that generally I'm not happy doing. It's not work. I come here and it's, I'm doing something I love. I haven't worked a single day in the brewery. You know, I mean, I say that it is work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it's fun to do it. But yeah, that's it. I mean, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, can I cheekily ask, are you covering costs at the moment? Just. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, this we only actually launched this year. We wanted to make sure that the beer, when we start really going into the market, is beer that we're really happy with and things that, you know, we've had several times, we've, we've had um, our all-day sucker beer. That one I was really keen to get right. The ability to send it out to the pubs, get feedback, see what people were thinking, that helped us perfect that recipe to where we're really happy with it now. So, On that point about perfecting the recipe, as a listener to the show, thank you, you will know that often we're talking to people about kind of this pursuit of perfection. Mm -hmm. And and one of the questions I think I always ask is, you know, kind of when you're when you're pursuing perfection, is there happiness or is there frustration to be found in that pursuit of perfection? It's a bit of both really. I mean the we've we've brewed the same batches of beer multiple times, changing slight variables and stuff. And it, obviously, if you're not getting it right, when you do a big brew, it's expensive. You're putting a lot of ingredients in, it's a lot of time, the electricity, you know, things like this. If the beer's not coming out how you want it, it is disappointing and it makes you frustrated. You're kind of, wow, what are we doing wrong? But it is also very satisfying when you do get it right. When you, when you go to the pub and you take one of your barrels of beer and then a few days later you go, they pull you a pint and it comes out exactly how you want it to, that's what makes it worth it. You know, like, what, and also, when you walk into a pub, as someone who was just homebrewing for years, when you walk into a pub and you see people stood around drinking pints of your beer, that is a weird feeling. And it's- Do you ever go, oh, I brewed that? No, <laughs> I'm far too shy to skirt, so. But it's one of, the, I sometimes will wear my hoodie and just sort of stand by the bar, like. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for someone to, are you, are you Liam from Elworks? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really, but it's, it's one of those. It's, it is so satisfying. When you actually see your, your product being enjoyed by people, that's like, it's the best feeling, really. And it does make it all worth it. Like all the hard work is totally worth it as well. And you never have to pay for beer again, so. <laughs> um. Liam, thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for coming. And have another swig of my beer. <laughs> Only a little bit. And then I will be on my way. I could only have a tiny sip because I had more recording to do, not because it wasn't absolutely lovely. My thanks to Liam and to Harriet, who wasn't around for the interview, but as you heard there, is an important part of the Aleworks Brewing Company. And my thanks, as always, to you for joining us on our travels. You can't see, but I am raising a glass to you now. Uh, thanks for all your messages on Instagram, K.E. Talbot. We are heading to Wales soon. Plum and Ivory, you are too kind. Steve Buck, 512. Thanks for your service. 
feedback, advice, and answers to my questions from everyone. Greatly appreciated. We're doing a lot of recording in January, so the show is taking a brief break. Back Tuesday, February the 6th. Please circle your diaries. We've got some great people to visit. I cannot wait to go there with you. Before then, I wish you a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, I hope you share smiles with loved ones. See you in 2024.